I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for part two of the weekend mailbag. So for that, we welcome in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Peter J. Dillard. He says, gentlemen, I appreciate your explanations on why Darnold is still on the team from the coach's perspective, but can somebody tell me why Alex Lewis is still here? Is J.D. afraid that Alex Lewis may beat him up if he cuts him? I might be afraid of that, to be honest with you, and I'm not afraid of much, but Alex Lewis is a scary guy. We cannot have this guy on the team with that contract. He also says, gentlemen, another question. Am I the only one that's nervous about this being such a slam dunk pick at number two for Wilson? There are two other highly regarded QBs that almost never get mentioned as a number two pick. As a Jets fan, this scares me because we all know what could happen. So let's tackle the first part of this. Alex Lewis is here, I suspect, mostly because the Jets don't have anybody else yet. There's really nothing else to it. I know Lewis was bad last year, but the only other guy that could possibly start that's on the team is Mr. Fihihihine, unless they have Cam Clark as a penciled-in starter, which to the best of my knowledge, they don't. After the draft, I think there's a good chance that you'll see Lewis cut, and certainly we'll see what happens with teams cutting guys after June 1st. That'll be the next domino to fall as far as this goes. I absolutely don't expect Lewis to be on the roster when the season starts, but I think that's why he's still here at the moment. As far as the number two pick, listen, we've said this many, many times. We all have our preferences, whether you like Wilson, whether you like Fields, whether you like Lance, whether you like Jones. It doesn't matter because when it all comes down to it, this is all going to be in Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur's hands, and whichever guy they choose is the guy that they choose. I think all of those guys are good. 
I think they all have plenty of potential. We all have our preferences. As I said, I've got my preference, but I'm not going to be out of my mind upset if they pick somebody other than the guy that I like. It does seem like everything is pointing towards Zach Wilson, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. If you trust Joe Douglas and you trust Mike LaFleur and you trust Robert Sala, if that's the guy that they've identified, then fine. So we'll see what happens. Maybe it's a smokescreen. Chris, as you said, it would be the greatest smokescreen of all time if it turns out to be somebody else at this point. But that's really where I'm at with it. You and I have said this, Chris. We don't have blind faith in Joe Douglas, but we do trust these guys enough to make the decision at quarterback, whichever one of these guys they like. So, Chris, those two questions... I'm going to throw them at you. The first one, of course, what's Alex Lewis doing? Is it because Joe Douglas is afraid Alex Lewis is going to beat him up? And then, of course, the question about the quarterbacks. Yeah, okay. Uh, I would certainly be afraid of that if I was Joe Douglas. <laughs> um, and I'm much smaller than Joe Douglas. But even if I was Joe Douglas' size, I would be certainly terrified of that. Do not think that is what ha- what is happening here. Um, the, the biggest thing is, like you said, is that he, right now he's a starting guard. Um, and if they cut him, they save five million against the cap. Uh, that that's not a lot of money uh, for, especially for a starting guard. So I'm perfectly fine with that cap space there. Uh, of what I will say, and because I I come bearing some bad news on this uh, podcast, is I have started the one of the good things about the idea of it seeming like Zach Wilson is going to be the pick at two is now I've been able to free up uh, some more time to look at the rest of the draft. (laughs) And I've decided to look at the offensive line and I decided to start uh, talking to some scouts and get some opinions on a lot of the stuff. And here's the thing about the offensive line in this draft. It's a very good tackle class. It is not a good uh, inside offensive line class. And there's not a lot of depth at, all inside and uh, at least half the players that aren't going to be development that aren't developmental type players on the inside aren't a fit for this scheme there's a lot of like someone like Deontay Brown from Alabama that's that's a manpower scheme like that is not he's not going to be drafted here the idea of having him next to Makai Becton uh, these two behemoths of a man is is intriguing, but he does not fit into this uh, wide zone running system that uh, they're going to be running. So they're limited in what they're going to be able to do in this draft uh, on side of inside uh, offensive line, non-developmental players. There's, there's only a, 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 you know, like, again, there's a lot of uh, linemen from Notre Dame that aren't going to fit. You know, the, uh, Alabama, they're not going to fit. A lot of these guys aren't going to fit. Even somebody like Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, I talked to a scout that says, like, yeah, he can fit in here, but you're going to have to – he's more of an inside zone guy. You're going to have to fit and help him do some things to help him out on some things. Um, so I've been thinking they're going to heavily attack the inside of the offensive line. And I, I just don't know that they're going to be able to uh, as much as they want to. So, again, right now, Alex Lewis is the starting guard. You can't cut him because they don't have anybody better to put in place of him. Um, if they find that guy in the draft, then, yes, I will. I could see them cutting him. But, uh, you know, it's going to depend. Maybe the, the guy that they, they find – 
<laughs> if it's better on the other side. Um, then we still maybe have to hope and rely. Cam Clark will take that step. Um, but I, I think there's a better chance. Like a week ago, I would have told you he's he's not going to be on the roster. Now I think there's a better chance than that. I just don't know if they're going to be able to <clears throat> address and really upgrade the inside of uh, the offensive line as much as I thought that they would be able to. Um, now, as for the second part of the question, I forgot exactly how – you worded it, but yes, I am absolutely concerned about it. Um, I, I'll say it again. These quarterbacks, all four of them, even if you want to include Trevor Lawrence, but uh, he is absolutely going first to the Jags, so you just focus on the three. It's still really close, in my opinion, with all three of these guys. But as time goes on, I am like being more and more entrenched in my position that uh, I would rather Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Um, so, but no, I'm really just saying this as a warning in case of the rest of this time until the draft leads up. If, if it sounds like I'm getting further and further away, it's I'm not really. I'm just kind of like digging into my trench they're all still really close i'm just digging in further on me believing that i think that it's uh one of the other two but again they're still really close and i think there's uh you know they all have some advantage over the other two and then some weaknesses over the other two and it's I, it is infuriating to me how much it seems like it's just like people are treating it like it's a no-brainer, uh, closed case situation. And I'm not talking about it from a Jets point of view. Just um, people are just saying, no, Zach Wilson is the point blank number two. That is infuriating to me that people are making it seem like it's just so incredibly obvious. But again, they're all so close enough. I just couldn't imagine getting worked up one way or another out of any of these guys. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, who do you think was worse for this organization, Mike McCagnin or Adam Gase? And who gets a job first back in the NFL of the two? Also, which player would you not want to see in this division that the Dolphins could draft at number six? So first part of this, Mike McCagnin, way worse. A, he was here much longer. And B, just look at the long-term problems that he caused. Adam Gase was here for a short period of time and flamed out. Now, if you want to blame him for Sam Darnold, you could give him some of the blame, but I don't think he completely ruined Sam Darnold on his own. I think that was a team effort all the way around, including Darnold himself. 
who still has problems with his footwork that he never fixed. And that's a coaching issue, but still that's something that he could have even fixed on his own like Josh Allen did in the offseason with his coaches. So Mike McCagney, if you look at his drafts, if you look at his trades, if you look at his signings all the way around, there's never been a worse general manager in the history of this franchise. And I say that as somebody who knows way too much about the history of the Jets. So as bad as Adam Gase was, McCagney did so much more long-term harm than Gase did. As far as the player I don't want to see that the Dolphins could theoretically get at number six, Kyle Pitts. That's it. I don't want the Jets to have to cover that guy for the next 10 to 15 years. He's a freak of nature. He's going to cause so many problems. And the Jets already have issues at cornerback and in the secondary in general. Trying to cover that guy is going to be a nightmare. I could make uh, a very good case for Adam Gase being worse. I, I agree with everything you said, but I could just be in the short time he was here, he did worse, more damage. Um, but McCagnan was worse for no other reason than Gase got rid of McCagnan. Like, as, as bad as Gase was, Gase came in here and he got rid of McCagnan. So Gase did something really good there. Like, without Adam Gase being brought in, uh, McCagnan would have been eventually fired. But at that point, he got McCagnan out of here. So um, McCagnan was worse uh, because at least Gase did that. Um, as far as who do you want or who are you most scared of Miami drafting? Let's, let's just be real here. No matter, they're going to draft somebody who you're not going to like, it is going to be bad. Uh, it's not going to be good. Um, the, the dolphins will be much better if they draft Jamar chase, if they draft Penny Sewell. And, but I think you correctly identified what you should be most scared of. And Kyle Pitts is what you should be most scared of. Jamar Chase is terrifying. Penny Sewell would be uh, uh, concerning. But, man, Kyle Pitts is just an absolute disaster of a matchup nightmare. And that's that's who I would be most scared of. Next question comes in from Meister Werder. He says, no one knows the Shanahan offense like Shanahan himself, and he just traded up to number three. Is it possible Zach Wilson, the presumptive number two pick, is not the best fit for his offense, or maybe the Jets are picking someone else? Also, nice job with the Gary Myers interview. Well, thank you so much for that. I really enjoyed having Gary on. I didn't agree with his take on keeping Sam Darnold, but I thought that he presented his case well, and it's always fun to have a conversation with somebody who can intelligently present an argument that you disagree with. That's what makes sports fun a lot of the times. As far as the trade-up and it's signaling anything about Zach Wilson, I don't think it has anything to do with that. As Chris and I talked about earlier, I think the 49ers just couldn't get up to number two, and so they probably were comfortable with quarterbacks other than Zach Wilson if indeed Zach Wilson is the guy that goes at number two, which is what everybody thinks is probably going to happen. But either way, they're probably sitting there saying, well, we like Zach Wilson, we like Trey Lance, we like Mac Jones, we like Justin Fields, whichever quarterbacks it is they like, they have several of them that they are comfortable drafting, sort of like what happened when the Jets traded up to number three back in 2018. They had a couple of different quarterbacks that they were fine with drafting. They would have been okay with Darnold, Baker Mayfield, or Josh Rosen. In fact, they expected that the choice was going to come down to Mayfield and Rosen. Instead, Darnold slid, and that's the guy that they wound up with. So I think that's really more what it is and less about Zach Wilson not being a fit in the 49ers offense because I think they at some point tried to get to number two, and it may even have been 
as short a conversation as, hey, while we're talking about Sam Darnold, what about the number two pick? And then Joe Douglas and Robert Sala were like, nah, we're not doing that. And that was the end of it. But they knew that they couldn't get up to number two, so they went up to number three, and they must be comfortable with a variety of different quarterback options. All right, so... I could do like one of those old school uh, telethon things, you know, where they used to have on TV for like 24 straight hours. I could do like 24 hours of just talking <laughs> about the Kyle Shanahan system and everybody talking about the Kyle Shanahan system and who fits this system and why this person fits this system. I could go on. I could literally just talk for 24 straight hours about this. I, I, I think that they traded up because they said, hey, these guys will do. These guys, all three of them, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance are all good fits in the system. Now, we can argue about the level of which one of them fits in the system or not, but this is the biggest thing about Kyle Shanahan's system is it is based off of having – the, the wide zone running game, which is really, really good, and you have to account for trying to stop the running game. Remember when they went to the Super Bowl two years ago and they were just running the ball? All, they weren't even attempting to pass the ball in those playoff games getting up to the Super Bowl because they were just breaking off 30-yard runs. And when your running game is that strong and nothing else matters, that in itself is going to help the quarterback. Then you build play action off of that, and it makes the quarterback's job easier. It constricts everything they have to do and look at. It's Again, it's why I, I was saying a year ago that it would be great for Darnold to get into that system. There's like Maybe Cam Newton is like the only quarterback that wouldn't fit that. They all fit in that system. They'll all do better in that system. Now, here's the thing when we're talking about the Kyle Shanahan system and then now uh, the brother LaFleur is going to take over here. It's not going – is he going to do exactly the same thing? He's going to add a little bit of wrinkles in here. Now, I do think specifically for Kyle Shanahan's system, I think Wilson is the worst fit out of that bunch because Wilson likes to throw so much vertical and uh, on the sidelines vertically where – Kyle Shanahan's system in the passing game, he likes to rely a lot more on crossing routes over the middle, intermediate crossing routes. And Zach Wilson, that's one area where you can see on tape, he does not like to attack that area of the field as much. He wants to go downfield as much. But maybe Brother LaFleur wants to take the Shanahan system and open it up to create, maybe he wants more vertical attack. So he might be saying, okay, they're, they're all really good fits here, but Zach Wilson fits more in what I want to do with this offense. I We don't know that. We have absolutely no idea what type of wrinkles the LaFleur is going to do here, what he wants to do. Um, so it, it the conversation about just uh, him with the system and this and the system and Zach and Kyle Shanahan system. Well, it's not going to be exactly the same. Maybe you want something a little bit different, but again, every quarterback is going to benefit being in the system. Um, it's just the, and uh, trying to say that, okay, 
like I could feel comfortable saying that I think Justin Fields is a better fit for Kyle Shanahan's system than Zach Wilson. <clears throat> but I can't say that with the Jets because I don't know exactly what he wants to do. Maybe he wants to extend it further. Maybe he wants to keep it exactly the same. Maybe he wants to go in a completely opposite direction that I'm not even thinking about. Um, but all three of them would be helped by either of the systems. And I, but at the end, I still think that Kyle Shanahan just was like, you know what? I have been operating under this assumption that just give me a Kirk Cousins and I'm going to make it work because of my system and because of the strong running game and the, the play action pass <clears throat> will limit what he has to pay attention to and focus on and it'll make his job easier and everything. The reason why he's trading up three picks is not uh, trading three first round picks is not just to say, hey, just give me any guy. He's saying, no, I've been doing really well with these guys who are kind of limited working in my system. I want to go guy, find a guy who can expand my system, who I can do more things with now. But again, I don't think that you can look at that and say, okay, <clears throat> he – he, okay, he thinks Zach Wilson's number two, so now he's willing to trade up because I think that the same could have – if he's – willing to trade up for Justin Fields, I think he'd be willing to trade up for Trey Lance. If he's willing to trade up for J Trey Lance, I think he'd be willing to trade up for Justin Fields. Um, and the the idea that Mac Jones, like that's been, oh, you know, Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins. No, the reason why he's trading is because he needs somebody who can expand on what he's doing. He's not trading up that picks for Mac Jones. He's not trading up just to get another limited quarterback in his system he's going to go after the Justin Fields or Trey Lance. But again, I just think we're getting so caught up in the system and for good reason, it's, it's important. It's vital. It's going to help the jets be a better offense, but people are just saying, you know, always oh, a fit for the system. Again, everybody, it's not that everybody's a fit for the system, but everybody can benefit from the system, if that makes sense. And I know you think Zach Wilson is perfect for, for, for again, talking about the Kyle Shanahan system, because we don't know what Brother LaFleur is going to do here. <clears throat> and if you noticed, I keep saying Brother LaFleur because I can't remember which one's which. Mike or Matt and Green Bay are here. So I'm just going to refer to him as Brother LaFleur from now on. Um, but the for Kyle Shanahan's system specifically because of the concerns about him of Zach Wilson attacking the middle of the field I think that the other two are better fits but I think that Zach Wilson is a more fun fit if that makes sense just I think Zach Wilson is a more fun player more fun fit in the system because he's going to attack downfield more I know there was a lot of talk with Justin Fields a couple months ago about how he doesn't make plays out of the pocket and when things break down. And that's not true. He does. He just looks at the first down marker and tries to find the guy just to make the first down. He's not looking to attack 60 yards downfield as much out of structure. He makes plays out of structure that move the chain. Zach Wilson makes more fun plays out of structure. But again, we're debating all this and we can debate back and forth. They're all so super close and they can all be a good fit in the Kyle Shanahan system or the brother LaFleur system. It's just a question of what you value and what you want to see the most.
I think you're selling Mac Jones short. We'll see what happens there. And I also obviously disagree with you on Wilson and his fit in the Shanahan offense. But that's another story for another time. We got another month to debate all of this stuff. So I don't want to let it all out on one single mailbag. Next question comes in from Bill Fond. He says, do you think with JD's penchant for drafting high ceiling athletic guys in the draft like Becton, Mims, and Davis, that Justin Fields, given his size, speed, and strength being off the charts, has an edge over Zach Wilson? See, this is one thing that's kind of driven me crazy, Chris, is that people are trying to deduce tendencies with Joe Douglas when he's literally had one draft. We don't know for sure what his tendencies are yet. It's not like he has a long track record of drafting. It might just be that there were particular players that he liked. And also, we don't know if he evaluates the quarterback position differently than he evaluates other positions. So I don't think you can deduce anything from that, to be honest with you. And I would like to see a couple more drafts before we start saying that Joe Douglas has tendency A, B, or C. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do think that you can kind of look, especially on the offensive line, and not just with the draft, but like the signing of Fant. Um, I think you can start to glean a little bit there. I, I agree with you that it's not like just it's, you know written in stone and we can just assume everything based off that going forward. But I do think we've seen a little bit more there. My thing here is we're talking about the quarterback position now. That's it's completely different. The quarterbacks, uh, it's a completely different game. It's a completely different sport. It's, go ahead and tell me what you'd look for in a kicker. What Joe Douglas would look for in a kicker. You think Joe Lo- Douglas is looking for the most athletic, biggest, strongest kicker, or you think he's looking for somebody who can kick the ball from farthest out and most accurately? Um, same thing with quarterback. It's a completely different position. Um, if they play a different sport than everybody else, like that, one of the weirdest things about football, again, kickers play a completely different sport. The kicker and the punter play a completely different sport. <laughs> the quarterback also plays a completely different sport. So you're not going to be, necessarily be like, okay, I want the biggest, strongest guy. Now, if you, if, would that be a tiebreaker? If he had Zach Wilson and Justin Fields like evenly graded, would he look to that as a tiebreaker? I could see that. I could see that being the case. But I I don't think that he's taking his online offensive line philosophies and applying it to the quarterback position because it's a different sport. They play a different game. That'll wrap up part two of the weekend mailbag. Thanks again to the very big deal, Chris Nimbley, for joining me. You can catch his work over at JetsInsider.com and follow him on Twitter at CNimbley and at Jets Insider, and catch all of our work over at playlikeajet.com. A lot of great stuff up right now, including the report that our friend Nick Spano put out over at U Stadium. We expanded upon it, which is that the Carolina Panthers may be the top possible destination for Sam Darnold. So we broke that down, including the irony of the fact that if that happened, good chance that it would be the second time that Sam Darnold supplanted Teddy Bridgewater on a quarterback depth chart. Plus, our YouTube channel is going strong. Play Like a Jet live every Wednesday night with Clayton Smarslock and Luke Grant. Kayla Pace has her videos up, Pace's playbook, and we've got a whole bunch more coming your way. So make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and to visit us at playlikeajet.com. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money. 
but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.